Episode 804. The Green Bay Packers have wrapped up their annual rookie minicamp for 2017. To get some perspective, we'll talk to Marcus Eversall of WDUZ Radio at Green Bay, who witnessed practice and heard the players speak in the locker room. It's all coming up on Railbird Central next. <laughs> Packers fans, and welcome to Railbird Central at Cheesehead TV, the longest tenured Packers podcast on the internet. I'm your host, Brian Caravu, and today we're talking about Packers rookie minicamp. To do that, we're joined by a guest on the phone. Baltar, find me another expert, one that likes me this time, okay? We're joined by Marcus Eversall of 107.5 FM and 1400 AM, the fan, WDUZ Radio in Green Bay. Marcus, how are you this morning? I'm doing great, Brian. How are you doing? Very good. Thank you for joining us here after covering Packers Rookie Minicamp this past weekend. we got a lot to talk about. And to kick things off, Marcus, we know Vince Beagle suffered an injury, and we know he wore a club club cast at practice on Saturday, but what was the word from Beagle and head coach Mike McCarthy? Absolutely no concern from either of them. McCarthy didn't really even want to talk about it. It didn't seem like it was kind of just like not a concern, minor injury, let's move on, give me something else to talk about was kind of the vibe from McCarthy. Um, Beagle went in depth with it a little bit more. There was thought that he might have injured it on the sled. He said that was not the case. He said that he was jamming the tight end at the line of scrimmage, which I find somewhat comical, seeing as there was next to no contact or any actual football going on with it being just the rookie minicamp. But, yeah, jamming the tight end at the line of scrimmage, and Beagle used the word hyperextended. He also said very minor, nothing of concern. It's football. There's going to be ups and downs, bumps and bruises, and that kind of thing. But, you know, right when he dropped out of practice, everybody on the sideline from the media took note because – and let's face it, a lot of people were there to watch Vince Beagle with the in-state ties <laughs> yes. and you know media outlets from all over the state. So once he didn't see 45 out there, all of a sudden it's like you hear whispers and stuff like where where is he? Who is he working with? He was getting taped, you know, taped up or this or that. But it doesn't sound like any concern. Sounds good. Um, but same question though for wide receiver D'Angelo Yancey, who apparently suffered an injury in the first practice. Am I right? Yeah, yep, and that sounded like cramps, and McCarthy was talking about how that's to be expected. You know, you go through workouts and all that, but guys aren't necessarily in football shape quite yet, and that's when you start to see some cramping. I mean, I think about, like, basketball practice in high school. I remember training and running and doing all this stuff to make sure I was ready, but still you can't emulate the actual game speed. Not to say rookie minicamp is 110% and, you know, going 100 miles an hour and all that, but you can only – you know, simulate so much. And day one is day one. So it sounds like a little cramping for Yancey. Fair enough. Uh, doesn't sound like anything major. So now that we got this injury news out of the way, Marcus, what were your first impressions of first-round pick Kevin King? Well, I was really anxious to see just how tall he was. I mean, he's a 6'3 corner. Those guys don't grow on trees. You know, there's Richard Sherman. And his 6'3 frame is a big reason why I think he's one of the top corners in the game. But 
He's definitely every bit of 6'3". He's not a guy that was listed at 6'3", and then you check out his combine height and weight, and he's 6'2 and a quarter. He's actually a hair above 6'3". So he's a really, really big guy, really long. You know, and, and I want to say that he'll add some weight to his frame and kind of bulk up a little bit, but I don't know how much he will. Because, I mean, let's face it, a 6'3 corner is not going to look like, you know, a Cam Chancellor. He's not going to beef up to 230. Playing 6'3", 200, I think, is about what he you know, will be playing at throughout the majority of his career. And he's quick as can be also. I mean, his 20-yard shuttle was the best at the Combine. And on a show last week, I was looking through, I'm thinking in my head, who are some of the quickest players in the league? Just off the top of the head, who are some of the quickest players in football? Anybody I Googled, anybody I looked up, nobody had the 20-yard shuttle that Kevin King had. And that's kind of incredible considering he is 6'3", and you'd expect a guy that long to – maybe not be as quick and agile because it's a long stride in the short, you know, vicinity. But Kevin King, great athlete, well-spoken. Everybody, we had the play-by-play guy on from Washington last week and effusive in his praise of Kevin King, what a great kid he is, an immensely likable young man, I think is how he put it. So really, so far, so good on Kevin King. He's tall as expected, he's a good athlete as expected, and he's a good kid. Sounds good to me. I love the pick of Kevin King in the first round, or the, the first pick of the Green Bay Packers, pardon me, first pick mm-hmm. of the second round. Uh, but also, yeah, yeah. Um, also, Marcus, uh, the reports I've seen uh, coming out of Packers rookie minicamp had the Packers using second-round pick Josh Jones at inside linebacker. You know, he's he's called a safety so I guess my question is, how much do you think he'll play in that linebacker role when it's when it's time to actually play games instead of practice? I think he's going to play a lot at linebacker. And I think without question, in my opinion, that's the most interesting takeaway from this rookie minicamp. It's not often where, you know, your first time seeing these rookies on the field that you actually take something away from it. But Josh Jones, initially you see that second-round pick at 61, and you're like, Really, a safety. Maybe the one position on the Packers' defense that was in good shape. (laughs) Yeah. You know? And then, you know, like, they must have bigger plans for him. Maybe he's a bigger corner, you know? Maybe he's the new Micah Hyde. Maybe he's a little Morgan Burnett, like that dime or nickel linebacker, and maybe a mixture of all all those things. And that's pretty much what we took away from the weekend. I mean, Mike McCarthy basically said he expects him to play a similar, similar role to what Micah Hyde did. Big difference being, you know, a couple inches in favor of Jones and roughly 20 pounds in favor of Jones, and he's faster and he's stronger. On paper, he's bigger, faster, and better than Micah Hyde. So, I mean, seeing him line up at linebacker, is he going to be – he's not going to be a base 3-4 linebacker. If it's an obvious, you know, on rundowns, I'm sure it'll be some combination of Ryan Martinez and Joe Thomas. But even go back a couple years, Joe Thomas was on the field a lot on passing downs, not because he was a great inside linebacker against the pass, but because he was the best the Packers had to defend the pass on obvious passing downs. Clearly last offseason, the Packers wanted to do something different, so they experimented a little bit using Morgan Burnett in that role, but he goes about 210, and he held up well. I mean, I think it was a good thing for the Packers' defense, but you have an opportunity to get a guy like Josh Jones, who's bigger than Morgan Burnett, a lot bigger than Micah Hyde, and can kind of do some of those same things. I think so much in sports nowadays, and I'll even use basketball as an example, 
position is so subjective. Like, you are what your skill set is. You can call Josh Jones a safety if you want. You can call him a defensive back, call him a linebacker. The fact of the matter is he's taller than 6'1", he's 220 pounds with 4'4 speed and roughly a 40-inch vertical. He's just a really athletic big guy, and he can cover tight ends, he can cover receivers. Call him what you want to call him, but he's going to wind up at that spot whether you want to call it linebacker or a box safety, whatever. He's going to do that a lot, I think. Yeah, great great analysis. I am in 100% agreement. I've been bemoaning the Packers' lack of addressing the linebacker position high in the NFL draft for years, uh, and maybe they've finally done it here. Uh, I guess we'll find out more as time progresses. Uh, but moving on here, uh, Marcus, uh, I'm curious about sixth-round pick Kofi Amici, the offensive lineman, who reportedly uh, played a bunch of positions at minicamp this past weekend, including center, guard, and tackle, according to the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. I, I personally think the Packers need to develop some depth at the center position behind Corey Lindsley, just in case he suffers an injury. But but back to Amici, just how much do you think that versatility helps him? I think it helps a lot. And, you know, we've seen over the years, whether it be T.J. Lang or J.C. Tretter or I guess really anybody on the Packers line, we've seen a lot of musical chairs where one guy goes down and then, you know, in a perfect world, you don't have to move a lane to tackle or a treader to left tackle in a playoff game. Ideally, you have a guy waiting in the wings like a Kofi Amici who can come in and desperate times call for desperate measures. Maybe he can play tackle, but fill in at either guard spot or at center. I think I agree with you. That's a really big storyline to watch moving forward because you know take nothing away from Don Barclay he's had a pretty darn good career when you consider he's an undrafted rookie free agent but you don't want that guy on the field it, you want a better option than Don Barclay out there and right now backup center to Lindsley you don't have Treader anymore you know maybe Lucas Patrick as a guard who's a good athlete in his own right maybe that's a possibility but Kofi Amici for his first the first glimpse we've gotten at him He's as advertised as well, great athlete. I mean, a six three, six four guy, 300 pounds, sub five-second 40, more than 30 reps at two and a quarter. He's a really good athlete on paper. And if he can fill that role, I mean, nobody's expecting him to start after the Jari Evans signing, but if he can just come in and if there's an injury on the interior of the line and fill in there, that would be a huge plus. That would be best-case scenario, I think, for Amici as a rookie. Yeah, I'm really curious to find out who takes those backup center snaps because I just think, what what if, you know, let's knock on wood, but what if Corey Lindsley suffers a season-ending injury in training camp? Who the heck's going to play there for the next 16 games? I I, yeah. I really don't want Don Barclay playing there if, if you know, I, I could help it if there's a better option, but we'll see. Um, Marcus, uh, of all the rookie running backs the Packers added, would you say any of them looked like they had a leg up on the competition? Because there was four there this past weekend. I really, really like Jamal Williams, and this is before the Packers used that fourth-round pick on him. I thought Jamal Williams, going back to January, and I was obviously the Packers had a revolving door. I mean, remember Niall Davis? Don Jackson started a game. I mean, Aaron Ripkowski was essentially a feature back in the game that decided the division. I mean, the Packers had a revolving door at running back, so I was kind of diving into this group a little earlier than most. 
and I love the draft, so I always do my research and all that, but I really, really, really like Jamal Williams. I think he's not necessarily the flashy athlete that will show up at the Combine and blow people away like, wow, who is this guy from BYU? He's not that, but he's solid. He's a early down, first couple downs between the tackles runner. He finishes everything. He invites contact. There was like a still photo I saw of him almost like motioning to the defensive back, like, come get me as he's running the ball. That's just indicative of what kind of runner he is. I like him a lot, and I think he has a chance to, you know, Ty Montgomery was great last year, and I think fans have every reason to be excited about him. He averaged 5.9 a carry, but I wouldn't be shocked if at some point you see Jamal Williams start games as the early down guy, and then Montgomery kind of carves out his niche as the change of pace or third down guy or the matchup kind of chess piece, if you will, that you can move around and, you know, exploit his talents. But the other guy, Aaron Jones, people are really excited about him. He's a good athlete. He's maybe one of the better pass-catching running backs from this draft. He's the kind of guy that if the Patriots didn't have, like, nine running backs right now, I feel like Aaron Jones would make sense with the Patriots. So between the two of them, I like it. And plus, Jones gives you flexibility. You mentioned a possible injury to Lindsley. What would they do? Well, if the Packers are building around Ty Montgomery as their starting running back and the only veteran experience they have there, well, if he goes down and he's dealt with different nicks and knacks and some bumps and bruises along the way, if Montgomery goes down and they put all the stock into him, then what? I think now with Aaron Jones as a good pass catcher out of the backfield, they can kind of you know, mask those wounds, if yeah. you will, if it comes to it. But of the group, I like Jamal Williams a lot, and I'm excited to see what he can do. I'm on the same wavelength as you today, Marcus. I like Jamal Williams a lot, too, and like all these guys they, that they brought in, at least to develop them. Um, uh, Marcus, uh, of all the undrafted rookies the Packers signed, and they signed more than a dozen of them, just is there any that made a, an impression on you this past weekend, seeing them for the first time? Or hearing I think it's really from hard. Yeah, I mean, it's really hard just, you know, they don't do a whole lot um, at the rookie mini camp, so as far as undrafted guys and tryout guys, kind of the same boat, don't want to put any stock into it. But I will say Taysom Hill, I mean, that's the big name on there. Everybody knows Taysom Hill from BYU. I remember him he killed Texas a few years ago and kind of jumped onto my radar. He's an older guy, as a lot of guys from BYU are, of course. Um, always seems to be hurt, but athletically, the guy's got everything. And we had, who was it on? Uh, Reno Mahe, the position, the running backs coach at BYU. We had him on to talk to Jamal Williams. And then we were like, oh, hey, they signed Taysom Hill too. What about this guy? And he told me to Google the like 40-time broad jump vertical for Taysom Hill and Christian McCaffrey. Christian McCaffrey goes like six foot 200. Taysom <laughs> Hill is 6'2", 230. And on paper, Taysom Hill's pretty much a carbon copy of McCaffrey, but he's bigger. But the big problem is that all that stuff doesn't matter if you can't get on the field, and that's been an issue for Hill. But McCarthy was quite complimentary of Taysom Hill and the other quarterback, Drew Bauer, in camp. So it's something that I think is interesting in that I, I didn't know what Taysom Hill would do in the NFL if he'd try to be like a Keenan Reynolds or you know one of these athletic college quarterbacks that comes in and plays running back or something else. But it sounds like they're going to give him a go at quarterback and see what he can do. We know what happened with Joe Callahan, everyone's favorite third-string quarterback, so we'll see what uh, what to make of Taysom Hill as we move into training camp. 
Okay, the the Packers have a carbon copy of Christian McCaffrey. That 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 one we <laughs> yeah. could get trending, maybe. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> finally, here, Marcus. The Packers are likely to sign one or two of their more of these tryout players with a couple open roster spots. So, you know, just for fun here, if you had to make a prediction based on the one practice you saw, who who are the Packers going to sign here? All right. Well, I'll go at a position of need because I'll just play the odds here and I mean the first thing I looked at when I saw the, the tryout guys were they have a couple guys who at the very least are on the all name team I mean <laughs> Speedy Noyle as a receiver is just a phenomenal name he's named Speedy like that's that's crazy um, but I guess I'll go with Jonathan Calvin the edge rusher Mississippi State I mean I thought oh, they signed him those guys. they signed him that's done yeah that's official oh, yeah you're right they did Okay. Well, how about I give you another guy on the all-name team? How about Willie Mays from Tiffin? There's a guy named Willie Mays. That's another all-name team caliber guy right there. And, again, I thought they drafted a couple edge rushers, and they only went with Beagle. And I think Beagle, as a prospect, might fit in as an inside linebacker just as much as he does on the outside. So, I mean, if they can get another J. Ron Elliott-type guy from this undrafted rookie class, I think that'd be huge. And, I mean, look at the names here. Marquise Edgett. Chris Hale, I'll I'll say Willie Mays because I recognize that name from somewhere. <laughs> yeah, that that'll be the headline if the Packers side. The Packers side, <laughs> Willie Mays, uh, that'll get some attention. But what a catch! Yeah, <laughs> sounds good. Marcus, great interview. Thank you so much. Do you do you have any guests lined up today to talk Packers? Uh, no Packers. We got a lot of Packers audio from the rookies coming up so we'll uh we'll be hitting that hot and heavy here today sounds good we'll send our listeners your way when this show is done so thanks a lot for joining us and uh uh take care we'll talk to you again next year all right sounds good brian you have a good one <laughs> thank you thanks much marcus eversall of wduz in green bay joining us here at Railbird central on a monday morning uh he joins us pretty much for like two, three consecutive years now, wrapping up the rookie mini camp with us. He's always there covering it, so glad to get his insight, and uh, we continue on with the show. What the hell's going on out here? I'll try to tell you, Vince, in our Packers news segment, and speaking of Packers rookies, on Sunday, the Canadian Football League draft was held, and taken in the first round of the draft was... By the Winnipeg Blue Bombers was offensive lineman and Canadian native Jeff Gray, who signed with the Green Bay Packers as an undrafted rookie out of the University of Manitoba. So after that happened, some people might be wondering, how does that work? If he signed with Green Bay, how can he be drafted in the CFL? All right, so I'm going to try to explain this to everyone who's kind of curious about that. In a nutshell, CFL teams retain the rights of the players they draft even years down the road, and that is a not uncommon practice. Risks are taken in the CFL draft with teams knowing it may be years before the player signs with them if they sign with them at all. They inherit that risk and, and a lot of them some teams are willing to take risks like that in the CFL some are not maybe the Winnipeg Blue Bombers were willing to take that risk because they also actually had the number one overall pick in the CFL draft in which they drafted Iowa defensive lineman Faith Ikakati 
Uh, so they had two first round picks due to trades they made, uh, not to get too deep into Canadian football league here, but, but Jeff Gray, the Green Bay Packer has said in multiple interviews that he's committed to the Packers first and foremost, but if things don't work out, he'd be happy to try out for the CFL. And, you know, certainly as an undrafted rookie, uh, he, he's no sure thing to stick with the Packers. You, you hope he is and hope he goes on to a very long and, and lucrative and successful career in the NFL, uh, but it's just no guarantee. Uh, but you can understand why both the Packers and the Blue Bombers are high on Gray. He measured in at over six foot five and 315 pounds, and he tested very well as far as big men go, especially in the vertical and broad jumps, I thought. If you look at his, his pro day results that you can find at NFLDraftScout.com. Um, you might remember we, we talked to Paul Guillemette of the Great Blue North Draft Report a few episodes ago who saw Gray at the East-West Shrine game, the All-Star game, and, and said he struggled there. But you have to keep in mind, that was the first time he's ever played American football in his life. Yes, Canadian football is very similar to American football, but there are some very distinct differences. Like, there's 12 players on the field in Canada, and they play only three downs. So because of that, defenses will line up and attack differently in Canada. So you can understand why Gray might have struggled the first time he ever played American football. And there are sure to be some struggles along the way in the offseason and training camp. But I think he has some raw tools worth developing. I tend to think Gray is a player that has practice squad written all over him. And, and really, I, I would love to know what positions the Packers had him play at their rookie minicamp this past weekend. Um, but in, in other news, the Packers have signed five of their 10 draft picks, so half of their 2017 draft class. Those who have signed so far are wide receiver D'Angelo Yancey, running back Aaron Jones, running back Devontae Mays, offensive lineman Kofi Amici, and wide receiver Malachi Dupree. Uh, so basically the latter half of their draft class, while the guys taken in the higher rounds still have yet to sign. Uh, but this isn't like as recently as 2010 when draft picks more frequently signed just before training camp or even held out, you know, while the rare player like Joey Bosa of the San Diego Chargers held out last year. We're talking about less than 1% of the players do that now. The Packers should sign the rest of their draft class in the coming days and weeks. If it does take a couple weeks, that's nothing to worry about. Uh, now that rookie minicamp is completed, those rookies are off for a week to prepare to move to Green Bay. So they might wait until they come back to town just to take care of that business. Uh, but probably the biggest news coming out of rookie minicamp this past weekend was the injury sustained by linebacker Vince Beagle. But as we talked about with Marcus Eversall, it doesn't appear to be anything serious, no breaks or anything like that, at least that I've seen reported. Uh, the Packers put a club on Vince Beagle's hand and wrist as a preventative measure at Saturday's practice. What is worth watching, however, is to see if that club cast is off by the time organized team activities or OTAs start in two weeks or so and the Packers start practicing in a team environment. 
Uh, but I wouldn't get worried if you saw that Beagle suffered an injury and got alarmed. There doesn't appear to be anything to fret about. So there's your roundup of Packers news happening over this past weekend. The day ahead. All right, there's a couple things to watch coming up here. First of all, the NFL doesn't update its transaction wire over the weekend. So the last time the league updated all the signings and all the players released by teams across the league was on was on Friday when it became official that the Packers signed their undrafted rookies and those five players from the draft class that signed contracts we talked about just a few minutes ago. Uh, but with three open roster spots, we might learn as soon as today if the Packers sign any of the players coming in on tryouts, seemingly every year they sign at least one of the players trying out for the team. So we could find that out as soon as today uh, or very soon at least. And then on Tuesday, so tomorrow, it's the main nine tender deadline across the NFL. And this impacts one player in regards to the Green Bay Packers. And that's long snapper Brett Goode. Uh, the May 9 tender deadline applies only to unrestricted free agents that haven't signed anywhere yet. Obviously, most players by now have signed in free agency. But the Packers, you know, just, just haven't signed Goode. Uh, the Packers have the option to offer Goode a tender on Tuesday that is worth 110% of what he made last season. And... Last season, he made the veterans' minimum salary of less than a million dollars. So we're not talking big money here. But but back to the tender. If the Packers offer good a tender, that means after July 22nd, when training camp's open, the only team he could potentially sign with is the Green Bay Packers. So if I had to make a prediction, I'd guess the Packers don't offer good a tender because it wouldn't necessarily prevent them from signing him down the road like they did last year. You remember, they signed him after training camp ended last year. The Packers currently have two players trying out for the long snapper position right now. Tabor Pepper and Derek Hart, both who participated in rookie minicamp this past weekend. Uh, I'm guessing this is the year they finally replace Good at long snapper, although there are no guarantees so, so we'll find out tomorrow. We'll see tomorrow if the Packers tender Brett Good. So that's on the docket coming up here. Uh, so to kind of look on the horizon and see what to expect. Things that we we know, deadlines we know are coming. Uh, some signings and releases come out of nowhere that we can't predict. But the, there's a deadline here we know is coming up. So there you go. Uh, and that does it for today's episode of Railbird Central. Thank you, everybody, so much for joining us this morning. Thank you to Marcus Eversall of uh, WDUZ for being our guest on today's show. We've already got our next guest lined up for Wednesday. Uh, we're talking to Kent Lee Platt of RelativeAthleticScores.com. He's come up with a mathematical formula to basically measure the athleticness uh, of of players of rookies coming out uh for the nfl draft based upon their measurables at the combine and stuff like that uh so it'd be interesting to talk to him to talk about these rookies the packers have added 
and see how athletic they are, and we'll dig into that on Wednesday's episode. So excited to talk to him about that. And and like I said, that does it for today. Uh, Railbird Central airs every Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 8.30 a.m. Central Time. That's the live edition of the show, podcasted and on demand later in the day. We'll see you, folks. Have a good Monday. Have a good week. We'll talk to you again just two days from now. On behalf of everybody at Cheesehead TV, I'm Brian Caribou. I leave you today with a song called Cannon in the Heavens by Lotus on Psy Fidelity Records. See everyone. Go Pack Go. To the mattress is a cannibal about it. Devouring you average motherfuckers like a panther does a rabbit, does a cabbage. I'm a beast, a mammoth, I'm a freak, a savage, I'm an abnormal.